0: Thank you, Robin. Nice job. Thought? Go ahead, if you would, get to Job chapter 8. Job chapter 8. Appreciate Brother Joe Mays filling in for me last Wednesday. Uh, He's been a good friend and a faithful Christian for decades. And uh, he's a blessing to me, and certainly not just to me, but to uh, the Lord's church here. And uh, thank God for him and for his family. Uh, On Wednesdays when I speak we have been working our way through the book of Job. Uh, This is really just our sixth message and though we do not know when for sure Job lived, we do not know for sure where the land of Uz was, where Job lived, we don't know who the human pen and the hand of God was for the book, Uh, we do know this, Uh, God inspired the book of Job and he preserved it for us on purpose to teach us and help us today. Two weeks ago when I spoke last, we talked about the wounds of a friend. Now, there is a proverb that says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, and that really is given to us because sometimes uh, good friends need to say difficult things that hurt but help their friend, and when the right kind of friend does that, it is out of love for us, out of faithfulness to God, but when Job's friend Eliphaz speaks up, he was a good friend, but... His words were not helpful, not at all. In fact, over the course of sitting silently with Job for seven days, uh, Eliphaz had come to some really bad conclusions about what was going on uh, with Job and why Job had been afflicted for months in some very obvious ways. Uh, When we studied what Eliphaz uh, said, we saw how that he was his own final authority for his viewpoint his own personal experiences and in particular his personal experience with some spirit in the middle of the night and not surprisingly when that is your final authority and that is a basis for what you teach um, Eliphaz was off target with what he had to say he believed job was being punished by God he c- accused job of not being innocent or righteous he accused job of being foolish and envious when he was wealthy. Uh, He accused Job of being proud and uncharitable. And he really also accused him of being a deceived hypocrite. And you can imagine how these accusations stung Job. Remember, they sat there in silence for seven days, and Job spoke first. And when he spoke, what he spoke about was he couldn't understand why God had let him live. When he spoke, he talked about how he wanted to die. He did not understand why God would not let him die. He wanted to die. And Eliphaz's response to Job's cry for pity and mercy was all these hurtful accusations. And remember, the Bible accurately records Eliphaz's words, but Eliphaz's words were not what God thought about Job. In fact, they were the opposite. Now, after Job answers Eliphaz, I'm sure Job hoped for better from his other friends. I mean, certainly the two friends that remain would comfort him, Alright? I mean, just a reminder, months earlier, Job, in a matter of moments, learned that he had lost all of his wealth learned that hundreds of his employees had been killed and that all ten of his children died suddenly when a great wind knocked their house where they were having a birthday party down on them. Months earlier, Job had shaved his head. He sat in the ashes for some sort of relief from oozing boils that covered him from head to toe, scraping the filthy contents that oozed out with a shirt of pottery. I mean, we tried to picture in our mind what Job would have looked like by this time, and though he shaved his head to begin this ordeal, by this time he would have been a scraggly mess. I mean, how in the world would you properly shave or trim your beard when your face is covered with boils? I mean, why would he care about how scraggly his hair looked when even the love of his life had told him to curse God and die? And so we can just see him sitting there covered with soot and boils and pus and ashes, wanting to die and waiting to die. I mean, Satan, as he is wont to do, even though we always underestimate his evil intentions for us, he really had done everything he could to bring Job down as low as he could possibly bring him within the limits of what God had allowed him to do. And though Job's trials would have certainly been too much, For any of us, they were not too much for Job or his wife. Certainly now, after hearing about Job's brokenness, traveling so far to meet him, and sitting in silence for seven days, Bildad now, we would think, would correct Eliphaz and speak comforting words to Job. It was his friend, right? I wonder what kind of encouraging and helpful words Bildad will have for his friend, Job sitting there in despair, wishing he were dead. If you're able to stand, if you'd stand tonight, please, in honor of the word of God to tell him, I thought, tonight is the wounds of a second friend. The wounds of a second friend. Job chapter 8, verse 1, Then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, How long wilt thou speak these things? How long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? Doth God pervert judgment, or doth the Almighty pervert justice? If thy children have sinned against him, and he have cast them away for their transgression, if thou wouldest seek unto God, be times, and make thy supplication to the Almighty, if thou wert pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee and make the habitation of thy righteousness prop- prosperous. Thank you might be seated. As I said when I spoke last, instead of slogging through... Uh, everything that Job and his three friends and then a man by the name of Elihu said, uh, we're gonna take one week at a time on Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar and then this other man named Elihu and then come back and talk about Job's comments. I mean the 33 chapters in the middle of Job they basically break us down when we're reading them and we kind of lose sight of what we're reading about and not only do I not want to slog through it because we would get bogged down. Keep your hand there. Just a reminder, if you go to chapter 42, I also don't want to spend a lot of time on what they had to say because God said what they had to say was wrong. Remember, the Bible accurately records lies of Satan. (laughs) Uh, It accurately records the inaccurate statements of Job's three friends. In Job uh, 42.7, and it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, "My wrath is kindled against thee, and against thy two friends, for you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath." And so God's assessment of what Job said during this conversation was, "Hey, Job said what was right of me." God's assessment of what Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar said, "Hey, listen, they did not speak what was right." So I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I do want us to understand what's going on. I mean, basically what happens is in what should have been a time when friends met heart-to-heart and friends were compassionate and concerned and looked to lift up their friends, what happened in effect was sort of an intellectual debate. And we have four brilliant men who like to debate. And though Job wanted compassion and pity and sympathy, he also wasn't going to run away from these intellectual accusations that these other three men made against him. Re- remember, uh, Eliphaz speaks three times, Bildad speaks three times, Zophar speaks twice, uh, Job speaks in between each one of those, and then before God speaks, a guy by the name of Elihu just rambles on for six whole chapters. We'll get to him Lord willing, later. But when we think about what these three men said and that God said, they didn't speak about me, that which is right, it's important to note this simple thing. When our view of God is wrong, our view of the events of our life and this world will never be right. When our view of God is wrong, our view of life and the events of our life in this world they will never be right. And one of the most famous soccer players, oh, female soccer players, today is a woman named Megan Rapino. She was a FIFA Women's Soccer Player of the Year in 2019. She was a part of several successful national teams. She was one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People of the Year in 2020. She got a Presidential Medal of Honor from President Biden in 2022. Her net worth is estimated about 5 million dollars but she's probably most famous for being a very outspoken lesbian and an active supporter of the LGBTQ community. Any issue that's their issue, she is strongly verbally in favor of it. Last Saturday, just the 11th, she was playing in her final game, it's a championship game, and in a non-contact injury, just a couple minutes into the match, She went down, severely injured, unable to come back. Here's what she said. I'm not a religious person or anything. If there was a God, like, this is proof that there isn't. When your view of God is wrong, it is impossible to view the events of this world and of your life right. Megan Rapinoe does not have a clue about what's really going on because she does not have an accurate view of God. And Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar, despite the fact that they did believe in God and despite the fact that they were brilliant men and obviously eloquent and well-read men, uh, what they said about God was wrong. And so it's no surprise their assessment of Job's situation was also wrong. Now at a time when Job really needed someone to speak comforting words to him, this intellectual debate erupts. We'll read this verse later, but Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen says, As in water, face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. If you want to reach a heart, you must use your heart. You're never going to reach someone's heart aiming at their head. And Job needed somebody to comfort his heart, but his friends were not aiming at his heart, they were aiming at his head, and it's no surprise that Job found no comfort and no pity in anything they had to say. Now, unlike Eliphaz, Bildad doesn't specifically mention himself as being his final authority for his viewpoint, but it is obvious, as you read what he has to say, he is his own final authority. By the way, most of humanity, their final authority is themselves. This is what I think. This is what I believe. This is what I've seen. Listen, that's very different as an authority to the Bible says this. Jesus said that. It is written. It's very, very different. Now, the Bible, of course, when rightly divided, is the only source of truth that is 100% accurate on every subject on which it speaks. And so Job, Bildad begins, not surprisingly, unfortunately, with his set of hurtful accusations of Job. Notice he begins by saying what Job has had to say is a bunch of hot air in verses 1 and 2. Then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, How, will, how long wilt thou speak these things? How long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind <laughs> what job had to say is just a bunch of air. Re- remember, Job was in a desperate situation and he began the conversation expressing his absolute despair and grief about what was going on. He appealed to his friends for pity. Notice where he's speaking after Eliphaz in chapter six and verse one. Job answered. And said, oh, that my grief were throughly weighed and my calamity laid in the balances together. For now it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore my words are swallowed up. Look at verse 14. To him that is afflicted, pity should be showed from his friend. But he forsaketh the fear of the Almighty. See, Job wanted somebody to sympathize with him. He wanted pity. He wanted compassion. Bildad's view of Job's despair and cry for pity, just a bunch of wind. It's pretty heartless. Bildad then went on to say that Job's children had gotten what they deserved when the house crushed them. Look at verses 3 and 4 of chapter 8. Doth God pervert judgment? Or doth the Almighty pervert justice? If my children have sinned against him, and he have cast them away for their transgression. Y- your kids got what they deserved. Listen, I don't debate that there are people who oftentimes die because of their own continued bad choices. But saying this about all 10 of Job's children dying at once at a time like that, that's about as heartless as you can get. Listen, what Eliphaz had to say to Job was bad. But Bildad, he takes it to a whole nother level, and especially here with Job's children. Bildad then goes on to say that Job wasn't upright or this wouldn't have happened because if he was upright, God would have rescued him. Look at verse 6. If thou wert pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee and make the habitation of thy righteousness prosperous. Listen, God had specifically said that Job was upright. Bildad said he wasn't. Bildad said God was punishing him for his lack of uprightness. Bildad said Job had been a hypocrite before all this happened, and that's another reason God was punishing him. Look at verse 11 of chapter 8. It says, Can the rush grow up without mire? Can the flag grow without water? Was it Yet in his greenness and not cut down, it withereth before any other herb. So are the paths of all that forget God, and the hypocrite's hope shall perish whose hope shall be cut off, whose trust shall be like the spider's web. He shall lean upon his house, but it shall not stand. He shall hold it fast, but it shall not endure. Listen. A lot of people casually throw around the word hypocrite today. Whether you realize this or not, it is actually one of the strongest and rarest critical words in the Bible. It's only 31 times in the Bible, 20 of those in the New Testament, All 20 of them are from the mouth of the Lord Jesus. In all the miscellaneous, difficult, (laughs) twisted, odd-of-sorts Christian people that Peter, Paul, John, Jude, and James dealt with not one time do you ever read about them calling them a hypocrite. Isn't that an interesting contrast to the way it's used today? Do you know why I think only Jesus used that word? Because only Jesus knew enough about the whole picture to use the word. See, see, what we tend to do is we tend to see the snapshot of someone here and the snapshot some uh, of them there. And we say, oh, well, they're a hypocrite. You don't know. Uh, listen, I, I work with, uh, spend hours each week with Joe and, and, and Brother Joe and Brother Josh and, and Brother Stephen they know me pretty well at work. We, we talk about a lot of different things in depth. They see me in good and bad moments. Uh, but you know what? They don't know a thing about who I am or what I am at home. When our children were at home, uh, I spent a lot of time with them. They're gone now, but, and I spend a lot of time with my wife. My wife knows me at home better than anyone else. But you know what? My wife doesn't know, or they don't know what I am at work, nor do the, any of them know what I am in private. Only Jesus sees the whole picture. It's kind of an interesting observation that no one in the New Testament other than Jesus was willing to call someone a hypocrite, but Bildad, he's good to do it. Bildad also said that Job was a wicked sinner and that had resulted him being brought to nothing. Look at verses 20 and to 22 in chapter 8 behold God will not cast away a perfect man neither will he help the evildoers till he fill thy mouth with laughter and thy lips with rejoicing they that hate thee shall be clothed with shame and the dwelling place of the wicked shall come to naught listen God had specifically said Job was perfect mature complete and here he says listen uh, there will not be anybody uh, the some sinner A wicked person, their dwelling place, they will eventually become, uh, be brought to nothing, be brought to naught. Listen, I hope you understand, being wicked and being a sinner are not the same. Everybody is a sinner. No one ever has to be wicked. To be wicked is to be presumptuously and defiantly disobedient to God. Listen, if you're a drunkard, that's wickedness in God's sight. If you commit adultery, if you are a lesbian or homosexual or any of these things like that, that are obviously and defiantly, if you're a murderer, in defiance of your conscience, in defiance of the clear commandments of God, that's wicked. Nobody ever has to do that. And so he's not accusing Job of being a sinner. He's accusing Job of being wicked. And he basically implies that since Job wasn't leaving any legacy behind, Job must have been wicked. By the way, the legacy we leave behind is probably the most important thing we leave behind. We can only imagine how these kinds of accusations stung Job and just made his desperation and pain even worse. Now when Bildad speaks again, it's not going to be, accusations, it's going to next be pious platitudes. Remember, he speaks three times go up to chapter 25. I'm sorry, chapter 18. Sometimes. What people say is a pious platitude. It's true. It just doesn't apply to the person you're speaking. So what's a pious platitude? I'll forgive and forget. Uh, how about this? God never puts on us more than we can handle. How about this? Love the sinner, hate the sin? Jesus said forgive 70 times 7. How about this? When you point a finger at someone else, there's three pointing at you. Those are pious platitudes, and they're really all true other than the fact that God uh, wants us to forgive and forget. That's not true. Um, pious platitudes, they're true. But most of the time when we say them, we don't say them with heart. We're not really saying them because we are moved with compassion over the desperation of that person in this moment. And though they're really true, they become pious platitudes instead of helpful remarks. And so Bildad begins by saying the wicked will be cast down uh look at chapter 18 and verse 5 Yea, the light of the wicked shall be put out the spark of his fire shall not shine the light of the, uh, the light shall be dark in his tabernacle his candle shall be put out with them well of course the wicked will be cast down, but job wasn't wicked notice he goes on in in, in verse 10 about the wicked the snare is laid for him in the ground and a trap for him in the way Terrors shall make him afraid on every side and shall drive him to his feet. His strength shall be hunger-bitten. Destruction shall be ready at his side. It shall devour the strength of his skin. Even the firstborn of death shall devour his strength. Of course, the wicked, it's not going to work out well for them. Job's not wicked. It's not like what Bildad is saying to him is not true, but what he's saying to him, it's a pious platitude. It has no heart. It's not designed to help him. He's basically just showing off the fact that he has all this knowledge and he can articulate it in such an eloquent manner. Go to chapter 25, because the third time Bildad speaks, he hasn't gotten any humbler. But thankfully... He has gotten shorter. And if you're not going to say something that's going to be helpful for someone, at least don't be long-winded. And so in Bildad's third series of remarks, he says in chapter 25, verse 1, Then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, Dominion and fear with him. He maketh peace in his high places. Is there any number of his armies? And upon whom doth not his light arise? How then can man be justified with God? How can he be clean? That is born of a woman. Behold, even to the moon it shineth not. Yea, and the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less a man that is a worm, and a son of man which is a worm. I mean, who doesn't know that stuff? God is greater than us. God is perfect and holy. Nobody makes it to him. mean, It's meaningless to Job. I just remind you that God said that what had happened to Job was without cause. Job's troubles were not disciplined for his parent, for his behavior. God did have a purpose in what he allowed Satan to do, but the purpose was not to discipline or punish Job. And in the end, we read how God wasn't happy with Bildad, and so he won't be happy with any of us being careless or critical with our opinions or platitudes. Listen, I'm not the only one here who has caught myself saying the right thing without much compassion. One of the pitfalls of knowing the truth is it's easy to speak the truth without the kind of heart that truth should be spoken with. Go to Proverbs 30, and I need to be real brief because we have a couple items of business. Right then, nobody said in your heart, oh, take your time. (laughs) Uh, Listen, I I sat where you're sitting for years. I I love preaching and teaching the Bible, but I, you know, okay, I mean, my seat has a a time limit. Is that too crude? Forgive me. I I just want to make a couple brief applications I have a lot of notes but I'm I won't take the time to go through them here's the first thing we need to be more careful making accusations about people and to people notice in Proverbs 30 verse 10 says accuse not a servant unto his master lest he curse thee and thou be found guilty See, Bildad wasn't afraid to accuse Job of being wicked. He wasn't afraid to accuse Job of being a hypocrite. He wasn't afraid to accuse Job of not knowing God. And in contrast to that, the wise man says, be careful about making accusations. Listen, we all know that when someone makes a public accusation in media on page 1, the retraction is always on page 10. And that people latch on to the accusation, and very rarely are made aware of the retraction. And so what we need to do, if we want to be wise, we need to be careful in the accusations we make. Accusing our children, accusing those who lead us, accusing those who follow us. In fact, it's just good advice in general to be a lot more humble about what we think we know. Can I just say, if you've only heard one one half of the story, you don't know the story. I don't care how good of a friend, I don't care how much you love them. If you've not heard the other side of the story, you don't know the story. Are you careful with your accusations? Here's number two. We need to stick to trying to figure out why bad things happen to us instead of worrying about why bad things happen to other people. I mean, that's basically what all three of these men are doing and Bill Dad is he's, he's pretty sure he knows why this bad stuff happened to Job, he is all wrong. Not, he was sure about it, but he was wrong. Let's just be honest. Isn't it actually hard to figure out why bad things happen to us? I mean, Unless something bad is happening and it's discipline from God and you can go to your heavenly Father and say, Father, is this from you? What, what, is this something related to something I'm not doing or something I'm doing I shouldn't? and a loving father always will tell you. But if it's not for discipline, listen, let's just be honest. When bad things happen to us, sometimes it takes months or years or sometimes never in this life do we really understand why it happened. How much less do we really know why something bad happens in someone else's life? And so when we think we know that, Why bad things happen to other people? We're being more like Bildad, and that's bad. Here's the third thing. We need to be careful throwing around the word hypocrite. It is not hypocrisy to try and fail repeatedly. That's not hypocrisy. It is not hypocrisy to continue to be a sinner when you're trying to live for Jesus. Hypocrisy is to willfully and purposely do the exact opposite of what you pretend to be somewhere else. That's hypocrisy. Do you use the term hypocrisy carelessly? That's being more like Bildad. That's not good. And then lastly, go to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, here's the fourth and last thing. We need to always have a heart for the person with whom we share truth. If you want to be effective, you cannot just share truth. It must be truth from your heart. Proverbs 27, 19, and I've quoted this multiple times. In this Job series, it says, as in water, face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. When you look in the water, you see the reflection of your face. And if you want someone's heart to be reflected from your heart, you must speak from your heart. Now it's probably true that each of us, depending on our natural disposition and spiritual gifts, tend to either speak and live with our heart or speak and live with our mind. Uh, But the fact of the matter is is that God gave us a mind to think and he gave us a heart to feel, and whenever we turn off either one of them, it's not good. And so when we ignore the heart of someone in their pain to reason with their mind, we're being more like Bildad, and that's not good. You bow your heads and close your eyes. You don't need to come tonight, Melinda. That's all right.